Hello, happy Thanksgiving week and happy Friday Flow Racing. This is Courtney Enders and we are at yet another episode, episode 19, almost to that monumental 20. We have no clue what we're doing for that yet, but today we have like a precursor to awesome. Just kidding. We have one of the coolest guys in the planet, uh, somebody that you may know his name, may not know his face, but you've definitely seen his works. So we're going to get into him in a second. Uh, but first things first, I feel like this one ties in really well with this episode today. And he's in the green room and going to laugh as I read this. But as always, this episode and every episode of Right Off Track is brought to you by Castrol Edge. Three times stronger against viscosity breakdown than the leading full synthetic and gives your engine 10 times better high temperature performance than the industry standard when you need it most. We're going to talk about it. We're going to live in the past. Castrol Edge, better oil for maximum performance. Without further ado, Mr. Elon Warner, welcome to the show of Right Off Track. Courtney, thanks for having me on. And I'm going to dive right into a great Castrol Edge story. That's why you're here. Go. Because Castrol Edge... Uh, I was John Force Racing for 16 seasons. So GTX, we took on the Castrol Edge brand, and they took us to the Super Bowl in Miami. And they had this whole build-out, and Force's car's on display. He is petrified. No one is going to recognize him. <laughs> and before we, le- before we left, um, my flight itinerary, you know, still this is back in the day, we printed out boarding passes. And my wife sees my boarding pass and is like, oh, I see a Mr. First Class. You're uh, flying from Dallas to L.A. to fly from L.A. to Miami. And she's like, oh, I see Mr. First Class uh, all the way. And I was like, hey, you need to really double check that itinerary because you need to see who my seatmate and roommate is for this cross-country flight, John Harold Force. John Harold, we're middle naming him. Six hours beside force on an airplane is spectacular because all he was petrified. No one's going to know who I am. I'm going to be embarrassed. No one's going to know who I am. I don't know why Cashwell's doing this. They're going to fire me. The whole way, we we land in Miami at like ten o'clock at night. We are not six feet off away from the little gate. Oh my God, John Force, are you in town for the Super Bowl? Stop, nonstop, all the way to the rental car place. Go, John, it's going to be fine. He is so spectacular, but he is so worried that he's not going to do the job for the sponsor. We had a line forming for him out, out of the display for this thing. He signed nonstop for three hours. He met Robert Griffin, who is the Redskins quarterback. We told him, hey, the Redskins quarterback was also a spokesperson for Castro Edge. He's going to come by. He had a whole camera crew, security detail. Force has an involved conversation with 20 minutes, talking about playing quarterback because Force is a high school quarterback. Whole deal. Walks off. This huge bubble of people. Force has me. That is it. <laughs> Guy walks off, and then like 10 minutes later, Force is like, hey, uh, when's that quarterback coming by? They're like, we, we, you just – Talk to him. He's like, oh, I just thought that was just a guy making a reality TV show. Oh, my geez. When force goes mainstream. See, yeah. that's just amazing. It's you so, but you are so good for the John Force awesome. stories, man. I, I feel like we could have an entire show. I've sat and had a cocktail with you and talked about these. Um, but the fact that you get to call him by his middle name is just that yeah. to me, that's the coolest thing on the planet. 
I, I stayed at his house every time I worked for him. The house in Yorba Linda has a big, a beautiful home and has a little side like mother-in-law house that Dave Dinsmore and I would stay at. So I rode to the track with him. We'd go get donuts together in the morning. It was, you know, but there was no away time because you're at the guy's house. So there were times you just kind of want to throw your jammies on and maybe watch sports center at the end of the day. And he would just walk in because it's his house. What are you, what are you going to do? And then he would sit down and just talk, just tell all these crazy stories. When it was, you know, the day I was there, the morning before 2010, when he won the uh, first championship after he came back from the accident, I rode to the track with him. I was with him the whole day. And that's probably one of the greatest days to just be with him, you know, from thinking, okay, maybe this could really happen to him locking in to making it happen. And then being with him afterwards um, was pretty spectacular, but yeah, he's, yeah, I could do, you know, I'm hopeful that he does do a retirement tour of some sort. And I'm hopeful that I'm could be part of it in some way, because he's just such a unique character <laughs> of racer entertainer, um, you know, his life, his movie, he can't make everyone. Oh, when's the force movie coming out? You can't just make one force movie. It's going to no, be like, it's not Lord done the yet Ring. either. It's a, it's going to be like a trilogy because forces life from being literally a migrant farmer in the, in the Pacific Northwest to being the first funny car championship as a movie. And then there's the decade of dominance, 10 championships in a row that's a movie and then there's the crash in 2007 come back to being a multiple time world champion after that that's a movie and then John Force the dad John Force the dad I mean all the you know all the satellite shows you know that that's just no he it, it's just I don't know what I don't even know how you would encapsulate it. I mean, the first, the first time I met him, he was chasing a little person out of his pit area at the Texas Motorplex. <laughs> so this is going to be that kind of show. It is. <laughs> okay. And so yeah, it's it's. I mean, I was it was my first Motorplex race. I'd never I'd never seen a drag race before. I started working for Motorplex in '93. I got hired. I was working for the Mavericks, and I got mutual friends said, Hey, this racetrack's looking for a PR person. So that's a perfect segue. So we're going to yeah. dip into John as we do this. I, I feel for you because anytime somebody has any conversation with me, Erica's name gets brought up. I feel sure. like you kind of feel the same pain, but yeah. at the same time, it's a, it's a pillar of what we did. So yeah. you've been on podcasts, people know who you are, but in case somebody watching this that accidentally slid over here from dirt, right. Wants to know who's yeah. this guy on the podcast. Give us like a quick synopsis of kind of how you landed in drag racing and with John. Yeah, I um, I was, you know, went to Austin College, a real smart liberal arts school in Sherman, Texas. Worked in the SID department. Thought I was going to be a, either a journalist or the PR guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Would love to do that. But, uh, yeah, here we go. Um, so just go ahead and keep track of how many Steelers references I drop into this podcast. You can set the over under at nine. So, yeah, so right here, all my terrible towels, Ben Roethlisberger, Terry Bradshaw. That's why you're my boy. Uh, so I was working for the Mavericks as an intern, and a mutual friend was like, hey, this racetrack is looking for a PR guy. 
went down, interviewed with Billy Meyer, had no idea he was a former funny car driver, had never seen a drag race before. And he basically said, I've been hiring drag racing guys trying to teach them PR. I'll hire a PR guy and teach them drag racing. And this was the early 90s, the heyday of the Cowboys in the Dallas market. And I basically was tasked with introducing the Motorplex, which had been around since 86, um, to the Dallas media market um, and explaining to them that drag racing is a major motorsport. I was the Motorplex for about 10 years, got to know Dave Dinsmore, who's John Force's main PR guy, um, through a couple of kind of crazy quirks, got hired by John to support Dave. And it was with Force for 16 years, 16 seasons almost. And just amazing journey from, I was there when Brittany, Courtney, and Ashley all started their racing careers. Um, you know, Triumph and Tragedy, I was there when Eric passed away um, in the testing accident. You know, saw Force's Redemption was there for, you know, Mike Neff dominance. Um, you know, didn't catch Tony Pedragon. But, you know, saw the rise of Robert Hype's career. Um, so it's really, you know, and then that kind of got me on the team PR side. And now I've, you know, started my own company and I've worked for, um, had a great opportunity to work for the Colettas. Now I work with Justin Ashley, Josh Hart. But I've always been a, I feel like a true PR person. And we can kind of get into that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I still write press releases. I still make phone calls. I still reach out to the dwindling media pool that there is. Um, I understand just enough about social media to be dangerous, but I feel like there used to be a two-headed monster, marketing and public relations, and now there's kind of a three-headed monster, uh, marketing, public relations, and social media. And they all have to cohabitate in this kind of twilight, werewolf and vampire type environment where they're sometimes at cross purposes, but when they really work well together, I think they're an unstoppable force. So I'm kind of the, I've now become the old guy in the press room. Um, you are. I actually have that on my note here. Literally oldest guy in the press room. I have been a part of the NHRA press room since I like felt weird being in there. I would come in with Geiger as his little intern and just to be in the presence of didn't even understand what was happening in there. So kind of Let's let's talk about the early days, you know, the yeah. 90s, the 2000s of when Internet was around all these things. But you were kind of sniffing out a change because I feel like a lot of those guys didn't last through that change. So no. talk about that that transition and, and how you kind of survived. It was I mean, I luckily I feel like I got in at the perfect time when guys like Dave Dinsmore, Susie Arnold, Dave Ferroni, Joe Shirk. Jay Wells, these are people that Dave Ferroni was the Army PR guy. And just in casual conversation one dinner, he's from Minnesota. He just mentions that he knew Herb Brooks, and Herb Brooks asked him to be the PR guy for the Miracle on Ice hockey team. Just like, oh, by the way, you know, I did a, I was the PR guy for the Miracle on Ice hockey team, just as a little side hustle. I knew Herb Brooks. So these were the kind of, I mean, these people were around through the true heyday of motorsports media in the seventies and eighties when drag racing was on par with NASCAR. Um, and they would go to Daytona for the Daytona 500, go to the beach during the day. And at the end of the Daytona 500, they would gather up all the NASCAR motorsports media and take them out to dinner. Steve Earwood and Dave Dinsmore would to advance the Gator nationals. 
Oh. I mean, that's the level of things, you know, we were, you know, doing, oh, we would go to the Indy 500 and do a breakfast at the Indy 500 to advance the U.S. Nationals. Hmm. And, you know, so being with those people and they were really big relationship people, relationships with the media. And that bridged me into, they got me in with some of those guys that have stayed on, but it instilled in me the importance of relationships with face-to-face -face phone calls. And as the world started changing with emails and then into social media, um, I mean, I knew right away Twitter was going to be a thing. I mean, I, I've been on Twitter since I think oh, early you love 2000, Twitter. 2009. I mean, I didn't know. I just, you know, and that's, you know, it's with John Force Racing at the time. And like, basically the way we grew the John Force Racing Twitter account was we did everything round by round results. We were tweeting about pro cycle motorcycle. We were tweeting about everything because no one else was. And we were obviously promoting John Force Racing, but I understood that that kind of interaction, that kind of accessibility to information um, was important. And then it, you know, it morphed into whatever it's become now with influencers and, you know, so many more things going on, but I've been able to understand my limitations, try to educate myself and realize, you know, I have my core business storytelling, press releases, um, promoting drivers, crisis management, interview skills. But I also know people like yourself, Natalie Torrance, you know, the folks that do p social media for teams, they are the experts in that because that's that's where they've grown up way before me. I know just enough about it, like I said, to be dangerous. And yeah. understanding how it all works together. Um, and as the media world has dwindled, I've taken advantage of that on the PR side. Because now you can package things, video, press releases, quotes, um, Zoom calls, all these things that media show short stat so short staffed. If you provide them completely turnkey package, there's a very good chance they will use that because they don't have time to make it and it looks good. You know, so I spend an inordinate amount of time looking at how various mainstream media things are packaged. So my stuff just looks like you could easily just drop into that. I feel like through that too, there's this, and, and I work with guys like Richard Freeman who uh, come from the ranch and just sure. want, you know, we, we perform on the racetrack and kind of struggled with the need for both things, PR and mm -hmm. content. And I felt like I was beating a dead horse for years with him trying to explain that there's, there are two different things. And yeah. I feel like you're very unique in that sense of where content is one thing, but we still have the need for PR. But I think that uh, I want your thoughts on this of as teams are budgeting and figuring out what's mm -hmm. important of letting one or the other go, but why, why is original OG old school PR still absolutely necessary? I think every every team should look at their sponsorship revenue. And this was a thing I battled with at John Force Racing is you let's say you're lucky enough to get a million dollar sponsor, million dollars a year from somebody. You should peel off at least one to two percent of that, ten to twenty thousand dollars for PR, social media, something. Now, really should be more, but, you know, 
that is, and that's really more to support you. Let's say, you know, because that's not your only sponsor, but everything you should peel off, if you peeled off two to 4% of all your sponsorship deals for PR and social media, you'd probably have on a, on a big team, elite, mm-hmm. John Force Racing, Coletta, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Take that money and use that to promote the 98% of what you're doing. Um, I mean, you're peeling off that for clutch discs or yeah. for tires or for crew chiefs. And I think too few teams look at it as, okay, every sponsor has a marketing person that has to value how this deal is working. And if you can get your PR people and your social media people working with the marketing people to just validate what you're doing. And so they can show people the results. That's super critical. And now you need someone that can tell your story the way you want it to be told. And social media is great, but it's not super long form. You want people to get to know your drivers. And so many companies like on when I was at Coletta, my post-race and pre-race stories went into DHL's e-newsletters a lot of times. Well, DHL has tens, if not hundreds of thousands of employees around the world. So my reach as the PR person just internally was the same as sometimes, you know, a major mid-major newspaper. Right. And those are the people you want to have knowing what you're doing with the programs. They understand and support your programs and initiatives and feeding America and those things. So, you know, guy, but also force never understood what we did. You know, I don't know that Chad had at Coletta. He he knew he needed it. He knew the value of what I was bringing to the table, but he wasn't quite sure exactly how, you know, when he would say something like, hey, we need to make sure this gets on Fox, Feeding America, or we need to make sure this gets on Fox. We're doing this initiative or this guy's going to be at the race. And then you would get him on Fox or you'd get him interviewed on Fox. They wouldn't know that that's, 10 emails and a phone call to Steve Righteous and teeing up Brian loans and supplying them texts and then literally taking a photo of someone on a starting line and texting it to people. So they know this is the guy you need to put the camera on with his or her title. So all those behind the scene things that they just, Hey, which is fine. They don't need to know how it happens. They just want it to happen. But the behind the scenes of truly, taking care of the people that make TV from Gus, the camera guy to Melissa in the truck to Amanda at the top end to Tony and making it, you know, Pedragon or Brian or Joe Costello, making sure those people all knew what the deal was is, you know, it's, it's a job and it's work and it's something you have to keep organized. On the other side of that, on the other shoe, um, the content side, Give me a little preach on that. Like, yes, you're doing all these things on that, but we're getting to an era of it's kind of scary to where they can go on a podcast and say, God knows what about Lord knows what, and you don't have that control anymore. But I feel like it's, it's important to be able to recognize these people as people, because Mm -hmm. like in NASCAR, people are still wearing a number three. They're still wearing 24. They are devoted to the athlete. And that's something that NHRA has been missing in my opinion. So scary or good. Good. I encourage all my drivers to do, and that's one thing also. I there's no media outlet too small for me to recommend to a driver. I will, you know, I'll investigate it, make sure it's not, you know, terrible, 
in the would reflect poorly on a sponsor. If the production quality isn't great, I will talk to the person that's making the show and be like, hey, can you, you know, if you're doing it from your mom's basement, that's fine. A lot of places started there. But just try to minimize yelling at your mom about meatloaf upstairs. <laughs> uh, true story that actually happened. Um, oh, I think I but, have been on his podcast. <laughs> yes. But to me, every media, I mean, there are guys that, you know, the, the late, great Stan Creekmore, he was a weird guy, but he covered NHRA, he covered drag racing, he covered IndyCar, and he would go and ask questions about drag racing in NASCAR. I mean, we ran a 24 car for Jeff Gordon, John Forstead. Creekmore is the guy that asked Jeff Gordon, hey, what do you think about the John Force 24 car? And got Jeff to talk about it. You know, we, but a lot of people, well, Creekmore's kind of weird. He's an odd guy. Yeah, he's an odd duck. We're all weird. Who's not? We're all weird in one way, shape, or form, or fashion. So I think getting your drivers out there, I would like for them to feel more comfortable showing their personality. I would like our drivers to have the ability to be more involved with charities or have their own foundations. And a lot of times the mechanisms of that are tricky because it costs money. And they're all worried about this perception of, you know, Shaquille O'Neal is out there with his foundation doing millions of dollars and donating, you know, buying Walmarts full of stuff for people. Well, you don't have to, whatever you genuinely want to support, just support it and let people know you're supporting it and let people know you're a dog fan or you want to support adoption or you want to support foster care or, you know, Thanksgiving donations or food bank. Food banks are a big deal for me. Um, I love, you know, supporting food banks and I try to steer, you know, the motorplex for Stampede of Speed. One of the big elements we're growing is race to feed the finish line. That was an idea that I had for the Innocent Waxahachie food banks. Josh Hart was in Huntington, Indiana earlier this year. I made sure we went by the local food bank, introduced them, and Josh Hart's going to get involved in the Huntington food bank. Awesome. Because to me, food insecurity is a big problem in our country. I think a lot of people don't know a lot about it, but, you know, and more so this time of year, it gets a lot of publicity, but really January and February is when they need even more attention. Um, so if a driver comes to me and say, hey, I'm passionate, Buddy Hull's passionate about bowling. We've been working for two years to try to get him because uh, he was cyberbull. Buddy Hull, the man's the size of the mouth. That's why I'm he, smiling because like, I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah, but he, you know. <laughs> Everybody has, you know, things that you know, they had a relationship go bad and it was, yep. it was bad and he was cyber bully and it was a big thing. And he's like, I want to be involved and let people know that anyone can be cyber bully. So that's something we're continually trying to reach out. You know, we reached out to some of the big organizations and, you know, so we may just have to start, you know, a little bit smaller. Um, but so the con going back to your content to me, there is very hard for me to see bad content out there unless you get out there. Um, even the beefs I think are kind of fun as long as you kind of understand the parameters of them. Um, you know, we ran into a deal earlier this year, Alex and Alex Laughlin and Jared Todd were beefing about stuff. I thought, you know, calling each other clowns. And then Alex Laughlin comes back with an actual commercial where Jared Todd is a clown in the commercial genius. 
But then I think when you kind of take it to the next level and involve the sponsor in a kind of a weird way, yep. that's where this line is like, hey, man, you can talk driver to driver, but on the sponsor side, you got to be real careful because that's millions and millions of dollars. And then someone else sees it in a corporation that doesn't understand the beef. And then they're like, what, what's going on here? And that can have ramifications. So that's, that's my deal is, you know, you just want to manage it. Be honest. I think if you're just true to yourself um, and, and you're willing to say, if I say something, I may lose some fans. That was always the hardest part of force is force has managed to keep a 95% rotten tomato rating. It's crazy. Guy won 10 championships in a row and no one hates him. That's insane. The Patriots do it. The Cowboys do it. You're going to divide the country. He has managed to not do that because he's just genuinely a good, funny guy and he's entertaining. Um, But he will not really have a hard stance on anything. Neither will. And he's read that into the girls and the Robert a little bit that, you know, they don't want to do anything that's going to upset the fans or cost them fans and it's a little bit of you know that old saying about when jordan was selling didn't want to wade into president's politics because he was like hey democrats buy tennis shoes too yeah or republicans buy tennis shoes too you know so i think you got to kind of balance that but to me i would like to see our drivers put themselves out there a little bit more i'd like i love the fact that there are more podcasts getting out there i miss the nomex effect I miss uh, the Nomex effect so badly. But, but I also understand that, as you know, doing podcasts are hard. Mm-hmm. It's a commitment. And it being able to lock yourself down into a set time for a week. But I also think that could you, some of our drivers do podcasts where you bank five of them in a row and they're more personality driven. They could definitely do that. But it's But it takes someone having passion. I mean, I... I managed to, for whatever reason, I don't do anything else. I don't hunt. I don't play cards. I used to fish. I don't fish anymore. I basically do drag racing and think of crazy drag racing ideas, things to make the sport better, things to promote my drivers. And I spend time with my family. And I try to watch as much Netflix. And Pittsburgh and, Steelers football. And Pittsburgh Steelers football. But even then. Reference number two. It suffers because in season. I just get bits and pieces. Like I, I don't know what's going on because I'm focused on drag race. I'm just now really ramping up. Like I'm a back half Steeler fan. Yep. I did. I did fly to SoFi to watch them beat the Rams earlier, like right after um, the Stampede of Speed, and it was glorious. It was a one day in, one day out. Flew out Sunday morning. Flew to LA. Hooked up with some friends that live in California. Went to the game. Flew back that night. It That's was pretty most- awesome most baller day ever for a I feel like this past Sunday was like week one for me because it was the first yeah. Sunday that I got to sit right. on the couch and watch football yeah but I'm not I'm not a Steelers fan enough that I don't have living in Dallas I don't have the Steelers NFL ticket or whatever so I'm rage tweeting CBS 11 because they force fed me the Texans Cardinals game who wants to Even watch that Steve- and I'm from Houston even though Steelers uh, Cleveland was the national game of the week. I'm like, seriously, I'm watching it. And then all of a sudden they started going real Texan heavy. And I was like, you uh-uh. sons of bitches, you're going <laughs> to force feed me the Texans. And then I just had to flip over and watch the stupid Cowboys. 
root against them. And no, yeah, see, I won't do that. Yeah. You and I both live in the DFW area, and I can't stand going to Raisin Canes or anywhere right now because I don't want to hold anything with that stupid star on it. Yeah, I it's so it's so funny. Like I like no, just just pour my diet coke into a coffee cup, or just a trash bag. Yeah, so either or. But yeah. I digress. Now I'm going to lose half of my fans and followers because I don't support the Dallas Cowboys. My dad's right. going to disown me. Um, but as we talk about Texas, I want to dive into this stampede of speed thing yes. because not only is it, it's very special to me because it's now my new home track, but I've been going to Texas Motorplex since I was three years old. I've always thought that they did things a little different and having that same family run it. But the stampede of speed being a week long event, you guys being ahead of the curve here. I feel like it's been seen. We've been seeing the progression and the results, but this year, for some reason, I don't know. I feel like it yeah. was like, boom, it, what was different it, about this year? It just clicked. It was like, it was a progression. This was the third year of just adding things and fine tuning it. Um, but yeah, it, it is 10 days. And our whole goal is to make it like the Cultural National Championship, make it like Indy, make it like the Super Bowl, uh, make it like a major golf event. Um, we have 21 NHRA events around the country, and for decades, it did not matter where you went. It was the same experience. Kind and that's is. bad. And now Christy, uh, Meyer Johnson, her husband Barry and Billy invested in we have to make our event different if we want to grow. And part of it was there were funding opportunities through the great state of Texas with, you know, they want to, Texas wants to have major events. So they create opportunity that if you host major events and you invest, they will make it more economically viable through grants. And we went through this five-year process to work our way up the grant structure to now we're on par with getting funding for the final four, the Super Bowl you know, major golf tournaments, but it's, we have to, the motorplex has to spend money and then show results and then they get reimbursed and the reimbursement turnaround time is over 18 months. So the motorplex hasn't been reimbursed yet for the first race. And they're just now getting reimbursed for the first race and are investing even more money in paying drivers to show up and bonus money and things like that. But it has to be a special event for the state of Texas which is why we wanted to count that race, had to have a count because that's a unique playoff race. Um, but our goal is to introduce drag racing to people through other events, country Western concerts, cornhole tournaments, um, charity events, um, barbecue eating, con like every a event. rodeo, like a bull riding? Rodeos. Thing? We have um, fan events, champions dinner, um, to create the structure, because that was the other thing is we wanted to make winning the fall nationals special custom fit cowboy hats, uh, spurs for our Texas motorplex legend program, the champions dinner where we bring the previous year winners back and celebrate them being a fall nationals winner and inviting former winners back for free. So, you know, you're at this dinner and there's 15 former winners at this dinner and you're just, oh, there's Tony Schumacher. Oh, there's, you know, Mark Oswald. Oh, there's Antron Brown, you know, and have this event where when you win the Fall Nationals, we want it to be special. We want to not, not just have it be a one-time deal. You're forever a Fall Nationals winner. If you win the Fall Nationals, you will forever be invited back 
for the champion's dinner because that's a badge of honor. Um, and other tracks have that. I mean, Norwalk, you know, leans into it with the ice cream scoop. And I love yeah. the fact that there is one ice cream scoop. And you know that, you know, Erica asked about, hey, can I get a second ice cream scoop to give to somebody? And Bill Bader is like, well, you can give them that ice cream scoop, but there's only one given to the winner. And I love that. Her and Chase Freeman fight about it still. Chase moved out and took it with yeah. him and see how long she noticed. She went back and got it. Like, it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> what you want is you want to me. Uh, Ryan McGee did a story um, and I'm trying to think of the track. Maybe I don't know. I don't think it's Darlington, but they give grandfather clocks when you oh. win one of their races. And he did this great article on Richard Petty has won seven times there. So he has seven grandfather clocks and he has like five of them in his house and it, it's just it's just a great story because that's what you get and like to me and i tell the story of the, the biggest tragedy for me or one of the biggest tragedies is the fact that in brainerd the land of ten thousand lakes where every place sells walleye fish nine million different ways oh, no. the fact that you win the lucas oil nationals and you don't get the wally and then a stuffed walleye trophy. So you're holding a walleye and a wally is a, is ridiculous. How are we not doing that, Christy? How, you know, she's the owner of the truck. How, I, I talked to her for two years about it. I think I finally, they're like, that's just, brilliant. But I mean, you know, you get a chalice for winning Sonoma. Um, yep. Bandemir did their Johnny this year for John Bandemir, you know, so every track can do, and it's not, it's, and I finally figured out how it happened. Drag racing, NHRA is the only sanctioning body that gives event trophies at a national level. NASCAR gives one trophy a year as a series. They give the NASCAR champion trophy. IndyCar, they give oh. championship. Look so at the all track. The, the tracks are all left to give out no the trophies. Kidding. Well, NHRA never did that because they... For whatever reason, oh, you win an NHRA event, you get a Wally. And that just took, and, and part of it was the way the NHRA ran the events. They came in as track rentals. We're going to run this thing. You sit over here. Yeah. And we're going to do this. And, you know, now that's changing rapidly because of Glenn Cromwell's leadership and guys like Evan and, you know, Jeffrey Young. And they're kind of bringing, hey, we need to work together more. Um but that's why it happened. And I talked to Chris Blair about it at St. Louis. They give a kick-ass arch trophy at St. Louis. Their IndyCar winner, to their NASCAR winner, to their high school track winner. I was like, Chris, why don't you give this to your national event winners? He's like, well, they always gave the Wally, so we just never really thought about it. And it's understandable. I mean, but that's the tracks need to take some ownership of their event if they want their events to grow. Because the motor place is going to keep raising the bar. I'm just telling you right now. Tracks, they, it's incredible. And being a team rep and a driver rep too i feel it on a different sense like watching it's one thing we had people writing who watch nhra every week and it was just crazy on social media the people sitting on this on the uh saddle the trunk yeah. of money like yeah. all, all, of the the, all over the african Matusi. i mean yeah you have an actual giant longhorn in the winter circle and there's fire bombs going off that's a scene it that's is a you, scene that's what you want but like on the logistical side, 
we have people in golf carts coming to get our drivers to go to the welcome center to do these, yeah. you know, scheduled things. We have them every weekend, Top Eliminator Club. It's kind of always the same song and dance at these races when we hit a different market. But when I rolled into the Texas Motorplex, it was like instantly 80% of the stupid little work that I've got to do to tote these drivers where they need to be is done. They show up with a belt and a hat and they're like, come on, partner, get on the golf yep. cart and go. It is incredible how much more you as a team and a driver can give your fans in the sport when the track does that. So is it going to take Texas Motorplex just continuing to bombard the space for other tracks to do it? I think so. And we uh, we talked about it at the track operators meeting this year. The NHRA is probably going to give us some more time next year to explain, you know, we, you know, and the, and the great thing about that is, Christy and Barry Johnson got together with Bill Bader. I think those Bill Bader has been the leader in the clubhouse, honestly, yep. even before the stampede of speed with the night under fire model and how he runs his track. It's like Disneyland. I mean, if there's some piece of trash on the ground, someone's going to pick it up. I mean, up to their uh, uniforms. It, right to their uniform. Exactly. So I, our biggest issue at the motorplex is staffing, you know, behind the scenes, you know, getting quality staff and how do you maintain them and retain them. Um, but Bader's managed to do that. So they're talking about, how do you do this? Well, he actually has a like Norwalk University where they take all their staff people and they are taught the Norwalk way to do things. No way. And then they have a whole end of the year banquet for their employees and they're given awards. I mean, that's what you need. You need to create this culture. And that's probably the next step where we're going to try to build a better support staff beyond our team, our leadership team. Um, and instill, hey, this is how this is going to work with the Welcome Center, um, with you know, ambassadors. Um, but our whole goal at the Stampede of Speed is to make it an amazing experience for fans that may not know anything about drag racing. So they will come and like every event has some kind of racing element, even the concerts where we have during the intermissions, we run a couple of cars down the track with the Texas Invitational. That's going to become a thing now. Um, I think it's awesome that Terry Haddock won the first Texas Invitational and forever. Yeah. He will eventually win a funny car race. And, but he'll say, you know what? This is my first net. My first win was the Texas Invitational to Stampede of Speed, a match race. And we've already had people like, hey, how do I, how do I get in on this Texas Invitational action? You know? So we want that to be part of it where, there's the Texas. We're very proud to be from Texas. We love all our traditions to the racing, to growing it, to making it beneficial for the teams because we want to have as many teams as possible there. We want to make it economically viable. But I think the payout for the fall nationals is probably creeping up close to what they pay out for the U.S. nationals. Yeah. And our goal is, you know, not every PGA Tour event pays the same. You know, we're now looking at how can we reduce the costs for teams? You know, would giving teams a rental car help? Would helping them with their hotel rooms help? Would Which y'all already do helps bringing people yeah. in and, and doing this, incentivizing shit, the fan fest. I mean, yeah. all you had to do is just put a little carrot in front of them. And how many, how many drivers show up to the fan fest? Yeah. Like we, 50? The, yeah, we had, we had uh, um, 54 camping world guys. Plus we had all the Jags all-stars, which that was probably the coolest thing. We had almost hundred drivers because no one's ever done it for the jigs all-stars no and having the jigs all-stars there and then doing a happy hour for them afterwards 
but it was so funny because we brought the Jake's All-Stars down and we provided some of them have hero cards, some of them don't, because that's just the nature of being a Jags competitor. But they'd never really been treated like all stars. So hey, come down to this autograph session. We'll have tents and tables. Well, half those guys had never done an autograph session before. So they didn't even bring Sharpies because they didn't know. Yeah. So that was like the big deal. It was like now I have on my list, bring a hundred Sharpies to FanFest. You know, I had I had like 30. But I didn't, you know, but it was the deal where we're kind of. Hey, I know a guy with a big ass box of Jeg's branded Sharpies, you know. Which I'm fine. Yeah. You know, (laughs) we probably know a guy. But that's, but that, those are kind of the cool things that you learn from doing these events. But yeah, so the Stampede Speed, I think every track could do something. And it doesn't, it just needs to be one thing. You know, that's how it starts. And then you you see the results and then it snowballs from there. And I think that this, this pro race, which is what we're going to. Yeah. finish up this here uh little happy hour we'll call it before yeah. thanksgiving yeah. i feel like which it's kind of the same motive right like before yes. we got on this show i said the phrase which i really liked i'd never heard till i heard it come out of my mouth is drag racing is not going to be enough forever we have to put on shows mm-hmm. we have to engage fans we have to bring them in not everybody's going to be a gearhead and give a right. shit if they go kablooey or if they hear someone right. say kablooey right. But um, so this pro race, if you hear people saying or hear them typing, it's just another drag race. They're really amping it up to be something different. Your opinion on why that's wrong. I I think the pro race drops in perfectly into the night under fire, Texas stampede model of this is in no way a threat to the mission foods drag racing series. Ah, This is just a, like how I just just yep. practicing. I don't think I've said over. that yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, this events like this, where you're bringing in all-star the top tier guys to do a unique event where it is chip draw. It is, you know, some days of testing and then you're going to have this one or two day event, you know, just help introduce the casual fan that wants to hear 300 miles per hour, three and a half seconds, see some personalities, you know, that is what this pro event is to me is it's a great kickoff to the season because it's will have been a couple months since anybody's talked about drag racing. And now you're going to have this great kickoff event that's going to lead into the whole, the series, the, the skins game doesn't take away from the PGA tournament. It enhances it. It raises the profile of a certain number of competitors you know, a all-star race or all-star event doesn't take away from the series or the major league baseball. You're just highlighting, Hey, here's a handful of guys that are the best at what they do. The full-time touring pros are better than the part-time guys. That's no knock on the part-time guys, but that's just where we're at. They have bigger budgets. They have bigger names. Now I think that's something also that helps maybe make some of the part-time guys aspire to be full-time touring people. Yep. You know, so there's all these positive benefits and it's just different. And I think the other thing that's going to be really interesting is there's a very small percentage of people that are, oh, I think this is someone trying to make a move on the NHRA. That is complete bullshit because Uh I'll be honest, once everybody gets, I've put on events, you've put on events. A lot of the people involved in this have never really put on an event. And once they realize what a pain in the ass it is to put on events, they're going to want no part of doing more than maybe one or two of them. 
they're certainly not going to do them in season. And, you know, this is a positive shoulder event. I love that it's on flow racing. I think that that's an untapped market for us and just being in that flow racing universe and their production value and being able to put cameras in different places. I think that's what you need. That's what the XFL was and the USFL was to make the NFL better is they, they ran into the brick wall and figured out the technology of in-car cameras and in-pit cameras. I think, you know, watching the F1 race and seeing that Gordon guy just walk up and down pit road and get completely shut down by people like Shaq wanted no part of that Gordon guy. I thought that was hysterical. And I don't know if it's because Shaq didn't know who he was or he was just there for the event and didn't want to be bothered. But we need more live events like that where if it's Joe Costello or Hannah walking through the pits or the staging lanes and just talking to people, you know, put that on Facebook Live or whatever. Yep. I think we're going to see that at, you know, and I can never – I always want to call it the Pro Superstar Showdown, but it's Pro Superstar Shootout. Well, that's because you're trained. Yeah, so it's a shootout, not a showdown. It is. It or may is be it a both, showdown, though. not a shootout? It may be I'm both. Just call, I'm just calling it the, the big pro race in February. The pro race in February, yeah. And I'm I'm with you on the on the flow thing. And I don't just say that because this is a flow racing podcast. I right. say it on the other ones. But to full circle back to what we talked about with content and ways to get our yeah. drivers out there, like – we're not allowed to do these kinds of things. I'm not knocking the Fox no. show and all of that, but it's it has its purpose. It has its lane. But what we're able to do being the internet and not TV is just, to me, it's it's like unlocking all of these personalities. And we've been seeing it cooking with Chef AP, one lap, one lollipop yeah. with Greg Anderson. Like yeah. y'all are going to shit when you see the things that we've put right. out for this event. And to me, I think we have the opportunity. And again, it just comes down to manpower and money yep but there are opportunities at nhra events i think you see things like caps doing the barbecue love the it. chicken wing thing um but there, you know and i think that's where people sometimes you know you need to understand the rules but there is nothing i don't think you know once you get in front of this once you get in the arena fox takes over but there's nothing stopping anyone from doing a live podcast from their pit area Facebook streaming from their staging lanes. And that's why I love guys like Monday Morning Racer, you know, Lee and Darren and Bobby Bennett and Wes and all these guys that are out there trying to create opportunities to create this content. And I mean, even, Clay, you know, Clay Milliken, even on the driver's side, his YouTube page, huge. you know, it's, it's huge. It's phenomenal. And, and that's the kind of content. And it doesn't have to be, super overproduced i think it looks better if it's you know a little edited but i'm a huge fan of you know what lee's been doing with monday morning racer he's doing lucas oil programming he's doing you know and the ability if someone had a drag racing idea i would challenge if you want you want to get into the business you want to create some come up with a solid idea figure out hey this is what i want to do and send it to Jeffrey Young, jyoung at nhra.com, or Evan Jonat, ejonat, j-o-n-a-t, at nhra.com, and say, I want to do this, and I want it to be on the Roku channel. We have a Roku channel. We have our own network that needs programming. And if you can come up with an idea that's legit, I think that's a viable opportunity to be on the Roku channel. 
Yeah. And if they say no, just come to the rest of us that do this just stuff do it, too. Just put it on Flow Racing. Put it on your own YouTube channel. You know, um, so... Speaking of ideas, real quick, I do want to touch on this before I let you go. Um, you came up with a really phenomenal idea. I think that's going to change the game. We talk about football. We talk about regular sports. Fantasy sports in drag racing. Give us a little uh, a little pitch. So I'll, I'll drag race back bonanza. I don't know. I, I did a actually a LinkedIn post today because I finally kind of sat back and thought about it's an idea that I've had for a couple of years. You know, I fill out a college basketball bracket every March. I don't follow college basketball, but it's part of what a lot of people do. Yep. And we've talked about for years, we have four categories, 16 qualifiers. That's a 64 car field every race. Why are we not, you know, letting fans enjoy this little bit of a sizzle? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And this is complete um, Elon Warner production. I wanted to just, I hired a guy to help me with the website. And I've got someone helping me on the social media side. And we did seven races. We started through us nationals and did the countdown. We had every race, we added more people. The last couple races, Motorplex, Vegas, Pomona, we almost doubled. Um, we had winners from Canada. We had a winner from the UK. We had winners from basically all across the country. And all you do is you fill out the bracket. But what I loved is we created a community of people talking about our sport, watching it on TV and being invested in it. I mean, and drivers were like Blake Alexander is tweeting at people apologizing for blowing up their brackets. Bob <laughs> Tasca awesome. is engaging with fans about, yeah, you know, I'm really glad, you know, you picked me to win. Um, and I'm going to see more. I want to see more of that we will be at all, you know, we'll do it all 21 races next year. We're going to have potential to have your own league next year. You'll be able to do some many things because I'm worried about bracket fatigue, doing it 21 times. But we'll do a deal where um, there'll be a whole 21 race champion. There'll be a countdown champion. But I'm also going to parse it up like if you best for the majors, Winter Nationals, Gator Nationals, U.S. Nationals. We'll do a little sub deal for the Western Swing. We'll do a deal the two four wide races. That's cool. You know, yep. we'll have a little. So we're going to break it up so there'll be some continuous. So you don't have to wait until the end of the year to start seeing some winners. But to me. It's just something that I just want. And also the data is so cool, Courtney. Like we run reports and I can tell you percentage wise, you know, who th people think is going to win first round. We do. These oh yeah. Cool I love your pie charts. The pie charts of who people think are going to win, but we, you know, we can tell, you know, we're looking at, can we trick it up to, Oh, you want to just pick the four, the two finalists to make a little, like a quick pick kind of deal. Okay. Um, but the core thing is going to be, cause some people just don't want to fill out full brackets i get that but yeah that's why it'll, i play pickums instead of fantasy yeah it'll always be free i want kids to be able to play um but the data element is really pretty cool we have a great um you know for super nerds time on site you know because it takes a little while but we're gonna have an app next year you know to fill out the okay. bracket it's gonna look this seven races was truly almost like a soft opening to just see if we could get it to work if people cared and how we could grow it next year so I will do a very shameless plug that if you're watching this and you have a company that wants to be involved in it, just reach out to me on social media because, I mean, there's no amount of money that would be too small necessarily. If like, hey, I want to be involved. But also we're reaching fantasy fans, drag racing fans, yep. and then it's just only going to keep growing. I mean, 
I didn't know what to expect. And we had thousands of people playing. And with just me spreading the word and thankfully people like Competition Plus and Drag Illustrated and then NHRA kind of got behind it a little bit towards the end. Um, and then the driver sharing it, it's going to be a cool thing. Um, and it's going to be, you know, I think I've got some plaques somewhere. You know, I've got a couple of people that haven't sent me their addresses, but I try to get the plaques out right away. You know, so you follow our social media, you know, Drag Race Bracket Bonanza, you know, on all the social platforms. People are posting their plaques and their championship belts and things like that. So I just love, I mean, I don't know. I'm just stupid. I've just invested my whole life in drag racing and I just want to make it's it fine. as fun as possible. And it and is, it's, it's honestly like in the pits, I love, I love drag racing, but it's, it's hard to be invested in other pro classes when you are full swing with nine pro yeah. cars. We turn on the PA now because we have brackets to bust. Exactly. When Alex Laughlin won twice in a row against Ron right. Caps, I could have killed him. Right. And that, that's the, the people are like, well, I don't want to have to fill out all the brackets. To me, that it's is fun. my gift to drag racing beyond this is because there are some nitro people. There are pro suck people. And I'm trying to force them into becoming all four categories. So they know who J.R. Todd is. They know who Buddy Hole is. They know who Josh Hart is. They know who Erica is or Gage Herrera. Um, you know, so that's that's been an interesting deal too. And it's also when we were testing it, when I tested it with people that I knew, like 50 people that weren't drag racing fans. Now they are watching. They yep. can tell every you every round, not just they the winners. They can tell you who is we you know who J.R. Todd is, who Sean Langdon is, who Bob Tasker the third is. And it's it but it is also weird, Courtney. And I'll wrap is that I was stopped at the Sinclair gas station outside of the Vegas track by Hank, who works in the truck with George doing the video deal. And I'm in there pulling, you know, my Diet Cokes out of the refrigerator. And he walks by and he turns around and he's like, Elon, because you're doing drag racing bracket bonanza, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, man, he goes, I love that game. He goes, I play with my dad. And Aww. he's like, we, we play. And he goes, and he goes, I'm in the truck doing the video content. And he goes, during downtime, I'm checking my brackets on Sunday. I was getting texts during the testing phase from Kelly Crandall, who writes for Racer. She and Deb Williams are at a NASCAR race in the NASCAR Media Center, checking their brackets. Talk, and this was like when we were in Brainerd racing. That's what I want. That's what I want Drag Race Rack Bonanza to be is the opportunity for us to bridge that gap and make the tent even bigger so you have a reason for your casual friends yep. to follow something you and I are super passionate about. And I think it's it's amazing, y'all. I seriously, what he just said, if you want to be involved in it, it is going to be the crazy new, amazing next best thing. And like I said, if it gets me watching Nitro, then you've won. You yeah, have won. Exactly. <laughs> and it's it's very, um, and it's interesting because we're now becoming um, a little bit of a news outlet. Because, you know, people want to know, like with whole Angie Smith, Kelly Klotz deal, yeah. is Angie racing? Is she not racing? I mean, that, like, yeah. Matt, like Matt Smith opting not to run. And not telling anybody, that was very funny because that created, in an odd way, issues in the drag racing bracket bonanza world because people were like, well, well, I wouldn't have, you know, how, and I was like, hey man, drivers can do whatever they want to do. You get, you know, that's just the luck of the draw kind of thing. So, all right. You're like, uh, what's the guy that, yeah, we have, I said 45 minutes. What's the guy from ESPN Schaefer who always has like the injury updates? Yeah. uh, Adam Adam, Adam Schaefer. Adam Schaefer. Same thing. So you need a, you need a Lewis. I, um, I need, and, that, and that's probably where I do. I am on the lookout for just a drag race bracket bonanza kind of 
hench person. I mean, I got, I've had the Jasons help me out. I've had Joe Costello help me out. The Jasons, my God, we got to make them shirts. Um, the well, they have a cool logo. I mean, they've got, they've got, they should probably have merch by next year. But, you know, so having kind of that person that could be, you know, the drag, you know, drag race bracket bonanza odds guy. I think that I'm going to find that person because I don't think it can be me, you know, and that's also been the weird. It's like I have created this thing, but my passion is my clients. So I, yeah. I, I don't ever bring up drag race bracket bonanza to my clients. If they want to bring it up and talk to me about it, that's great. But I'm, I'm at the races truly to promote Camry, to promote Josh, promote Justin, you know, factory stock showdown class, whatever. And then if the time allotted after hours is for drag race bracket bonanza. Well, we all see it and we all believe in, I think it's going to be awesome. And I'm very, very excited to play. So, Perfect. um, well, thank you for coming on. Hey, I know I said 45 is, minutes, but this is an no, hour. We could go another hour. We um, could go another hour. We could. And I, I feel like we will at some point, maybe we'll do yeah. something on, on the track for the pro race, but guys, Elon Warner, one of the smartest guys I know I have stayed in his shadow and now I'm making him guide me. So uh, thank you so much for it. coming right off track. And I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Courtney and all your listeners. Viewers, All right, I'm coming to eat cookies at your house in a few days. That's perfect. Awesome. Love it. Talk to you later. Thanks. See you guys next week.